What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Munson, aka That Witch from Work. Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Staff Meeting. And this is going to be the Mars Retrograde episode. The Mars retrograde in Gemini has been a really popular point of discussion for some time, and that's because it's been a very big transit and it's a very long transit. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing the details, such as the degrees of Gemini uh, that Mars has been moving and stationing through. I'm going to give you some terminology and making sure that we're all using the same language. And we're going to talk about Mars exiting the sign of Gemini and moving into the sign of Cancer. I'm doing this for anyone who still benefits from the basics of astrology. I know that a lot of my listenership are not necessarily cosmic or divination witches, or they might be very new to the craft or a craft in general. And so the beginning of this episode is going to be lying down some of those fundamental principles, which I think is actually just a good practice, no matter where you are at in your astrological practice or journey, rather. I think that this is useful as well because I know that I've gotten feedback in the past that folks want to have some more specifics. They want to be able to ground themselves more in the understanding. And the better you are able to develop your own relationship not with some of the terminology, but maybe some of the energetic principles, the easier it's going to be for you to look ahead then into the future to anticipate what might this be like. For example, how do I handle the Gemini area of my chart? How do I understand the Gemini house in my chart? And I'm going to be providing just a little bit about Mars, a little bit about Gemini, a little bit about retrogrades in general. I'm going to give us some chart examples and I'm going to share some client examples as well because in, I want to be clear that we all experience these transits in different ways. You can look at broader themes with the understanding of the planets and the zodiac sign and some of the aspects that maybe it made throughout its journey. But this is all nuanced because we all have different charts. We all have different placements in our charts, which might become activated or triggered when Mars is moving through that area of our chart. But so much of our experience is also colored by the context of our life. And I've said this before, and I'm a big believer in offering this before a, a bunch of my episodes, your support system, your privilege in life, your access to resources, and the culture that you're a part of and the belief system, the resiliency that you have and the strengths that you have are going to determine the extent that you experience something. When we get deeper into discussing Mars and what Mars can represent in the chart, then there will be some like really scary sounding things, but not everyone really suffers with Mars or with Mars and Gemini. And that's why I'm going to be sharing some of the celebrity chart examples of um, celebrities that have their natal Mars and Gemini to show that this can be successful. But I want to do this um, for the listeners who are really curious about this and again are kind of new or maybe at that more entry level. But I find that this is helpful when you're even an intermediate or advanced astrologer just to take it back down to the fundamental principles that you're building the storyline off of. 
And I'm not going to be doing it in this episode, but something that I found really interesting about this particular transit is the Mars retrograde phase has a really clear correlation to a specific card in the tarot. And I'm going to put that in a different episode. Originally, I was going to combine them, but it was getting to be a very lengthy uh, recording. This is actually my second time recording this episode because Mercury retrograde things. Um, so I'm going to break those out into two different episodes. And so if you are a tarot reader or if you are interested in that connection point, then I have some research to share with you there as well. Now I'm going to start with making sure that there is some terminology that we are all familiar with. It's valuable to just have this moment of checking, making sure that we all understand the same definitions of the words that we're using. And you know that I'm a corporate witch, I'm a human resources professional, and this is something that if you are a people leader or if you are an entrepreneur and you're finding yourself working with clients or working, if you're starting to like uh, bring consultants or partners into your business, is just making sure that you are on the same page with the terminology that you use. There's some aspect which is like, this is industry specific language. If you are an astrologer, then when I say things like a shadow period, that's really familiar to you. But if someone is not engaging with that regularly, then it helps to kind of translate or at least provide some type of like dictionary so people can understand how to engage with what you're saying in a more meaningful way. So we are going to go over some terminology. I won't spend too much time here. And there's really only a few things that I want to make sure that we all understand. And this is really surrounding the retrograde in general. So I want to first make sure that we understand what a retrograde means, what happens when a planet is retrograde. Uh, this is something that is, like, I think, becoming more well-known, but you don't say that a planet is in retrograde or is out of retrograde. It's really a planet stationing retrograde or stationing direct. And this is something that when I was like a baby astrologer, I did not understand the difference and I didn't really care. And I would say in retrograde all the time. And then even as I was talking about it casually after I learned that distinction, I still would slip. And I think sometimes I still occasionally do of like, oh, that's in retrograde. But a planet is never in or out of something. It's valuable to note that the way that we interpret a lot of the astrology is how we perceive it from here on earth. And a retrograde is one of those things that it's important to note that it only appears that a planet is moving backwards. It appears that the planet is retracing its steps. That's not what the planet is actually doing, but we choose the interpretation to be from how we experience it from Earth um, as it makes sense that we are embodying our experience. We are the, the consciousness of what is happening from the perspective of the Earth, right? And so because we see it this way, it's part of our interpretation. It's also why light is a really big part of astrology and understanding a lot of the delineations from the planets is that how much light is visible, the more light, the more strength something has or the greater capacity it has to influence us. And so a retrograde refers to the time when a planet appears to be moving backwards in the sky from our perspective. Again, it's not moving backwards, but this is what it looks like. During this time, it appears that the retrograde planet is moving, really, it's like moving in just the opposite direction of the other celestial bodies. 
And so if you can think about this experience, it's kind of like the swimming upstream. Um, it could be, I'm getting this like visual of when there's like a mob or like a, a large herd or a group of people all moving in one direction. And then one person is trying to run in the opposite way and just how difficult that can be. And so this retrograde experience, this retrograde motion, this retrograde visual that we get of the planet, we do interpret this as the planet being weak or weaker, uh, having some type of restraint and therefore making it ineffective in what it's trying to accomplish. All of the planets are players in the chart. They are actors. They have things that they want to do, that they need to do. They have these drives and um, goals, if you will, the, the things that they're trying to accomplish. And in retrograde, the planet finds itself really challenged in doing that. And it sounds difficult, but of course, these periods of time can actually be very beneficial. And this is also why I want to share a few client chart examples of how a retrograde while in the moment can feel difficult. Uh, there can be a positive thing that comes out of it, especially if you are someone who was born with Mars retrograde in your chart, uh, then it's not all doom and gloom for you. It's not the end of the world. Uh, you'll actually have some, you know, like what makes you different is your superpower. You're going to have some like superpowers or it, you're going to experience the retrograde a little bit differently than other people because you kind of live in that world. And so when the planet stations retrograde, it's almost going back to home territory for you. And maybe it's difficult, but at least it's familiar. For the retrograde phases, you need to be aware of the shadow period. The shadow period refers to the degrees of the zodiac that the planet will move through during that retrograde period. And I'm going to give you the exact degrees and dates of the Mars uh, ingress into Gemini when it moved into its shadow, when it stationed retrograde, when it stationed direct, and then when it will leave its shadow period and when Mars will finally leave Gemini and enter into Cancer. This has been a really long story. And this is a little bit atypical. Mars is one of the quicker moving planets. And so unless there is a retrograde in that sign, it really moves through the signs relatively quickly. And Mars has been in Gemini for like seven months, will be total. And that's a pretty long time, especially for a planet that really wants to move quickly and to move forward and to have some of that drive in action, which we'll talk about when we discuss the qualities of Mars. But don't let me get ahead of myself. Let's get into the specific degrees and dates of this transit. I'm going to filibuster for a moment while I encourage you to go grab a pen and paper or find yourself pulling open your notes pad or something like that because you're going to want to pay attention to these dates. And the reason why is you're going to be able to go back and look over projects that you were working on at work look over your email inbox, look at your Outlook calendar. Uh, you can even go check out your text message threads. This is one thing that I do appreciate about social media is that you can go and find your archives. I do that all the time on my Instagram. And I know like I'm not on Facebook, but I think like Facebook memories pop up as well. And this is going to be interesting just to note 
what was going on around these dates. And I say around, I'm going to give you specific dates, but again, it doesn't always happen right on that date. Uh, sometimes we'll sit like, you know, it'll be close to it, but maybe not exactly on it. But you're going to be able to then start connecting the dots between the Mars transits as well as how that was uh, triggering or activating things in your chart, specifically in the Gemini area of your chart. We all have Gemini somewhere. And if you're using a whole sign house system, this is a lot easier to find. But um, if you want to just like pull up your chart as well quickly and try to find like the Gemini area of your chart. When I give the client examples, it's going to be interesting to note how a lot of the stories, I mean, I'm a vocational astrologer, so almost all of them are about work, but it's interesting to see how the different houses are impacted by this transit in the clients that I've been working with. Okay, so hopefully you have your pen by now and you're ready to go. So here are the key dates and specific degrees that are important to be aware of during this Mars journey through the sign of Gemini. Mars entered Gemini on August 20th, 2022. Mars moved to the eighth degree on September 4th. And this is important because this is when Mars entered its shadow period, that eighth degree of Gemini. Mars then stationed retrograde at the 25th degree, which was on October 30th. Mars stationed direct at eight degrees of Gemini, because again, it was kind of from the, our experience and our perspective, moving backwards through Gemini. So station directed the eighth degree of Gemini on January 12th, 2023. Mars is going to revisit that 25th degree of Gemini again on March 15th. And then finally, Mars will leave the sign of Gemini and enter the sign of Cancer on March 25th, which is actually the sign of Mars's fall. Mars um, finds and falls out of grace, if you will, and it's no longer uh, in a position where it can be celebrated and uh, risen up and, you know, seen as like a really positive and commanding thing, but actually is really challenged there. And so at the end of this episode, we might talk a little bit about what that will look like, but that's definitely something we'll talk about uh, when we get to that area in the staff meeting. So if you don't listen to my staff meeting episodes, I go over the weekly astrological forecast. You can also sign up for my newsletter at www.thatwitchfromwork.com. I usually do a month ahead a forecast written out in that newsletter. And so that's going to be a useful resource to you as well. All right. So let's talk about what we know about Mars. And I'm not pulling all of this out of my ass. Uh, my primary resource that I used for like the little bit of research that I did, and I say a little bit just because I've been a student of astrology for quite some time now. I've been a professional astrologer for a few years. And so you start just like knowing things about Mars or, you know, other astrological things without always being really clear on like where the citation is coming from. But I wanted to make this not, I don't want to say like valid, but maybe a little bit more credible. It's that person in me that spent a ton of time in higher education and feels the need to like cite my resources all of the time. Um, but I think it's also valuable for you guys to know and understand like my background and where like the tradition of astrology that I practice really comes from. And so the primary book that I used as I was preparing for this episode 
is Chris Brennan's book. Chris Brennan is the host of the Astrology Podcast, and his book is titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, and it is available in fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, I really appreciate Chris as an educator and um, as an astrologer. Uh, he has done the really like excellent research, and he's quoting uh ancient astrologers that practiced in the Hellenistic tradition. And a lot of the more modern interpretations are really rooted in uh, the sources that he is citing. And so that's why I chose this book. It's also the primary method of astrology that I practice. And so as I'm saying things like Mars is this, this is this, that's what I'm getting it from is the compilation of his research. But again, there's a ton of other really amazing books that I could credit. There's a lot of teachers and, uh, podcast episodes and articles online and YouTube videos and all of those things that I could credit for some of these interpretations as well. But that was my primary resource. If you guys want to check it out, I'm not going to say I recommend it for beginners. It's dense as hell. Um, and it's very technical, but I do love having it in my library. I can't say that I've also read it from front to back yet because it's true textbook style. So I kind of make my way through it when I'm ready for something a little less uh, artistic in the in the uh, interpretations or delineations of the astrology. I digress. Okay, so Mars. Mars is the fiery one. It's named after Aries, uh, the god of war, right? And Mars has a drying and burning effect. So when we think about Mars type things, we think about that which is very dry and really hot as well. Uh, Mars is the traditional ruler of both Aries and Scorpio in the zodiac wheel. And some of the words that can be associated with Mars are fear and wrath because of that relationship over Aries and Scorpio. So Mars can signify violence, wars, loss of good things, hopeless situations, fighting, inflammations, things that are hard and abrupt. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. These are more broad and general uh, significations that I thought would be useful to lend to. There are other words or keywords that we might associate with Mars, but I felt like those were pretty good descriptors and uh, kept it uh, a little bit more current or relevant to how we experience things. And because I am a corporate witch, I do try to think about like what happens in the workplace. And I think that when I'm reading over fighting hopeless situations, hopefully not violence, but things that are hard and abrupt and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, I can definitely see how this can play out in the workplace between colleagues, between companies, between customers and all of that. And so these sound very difficult. Yeah, these are not like really exciting things that we look forward to. They're hard. Mars is a malefic, which is just the term that we use for like the troublesome planet. We look to Mars when we want to identify where there is some kind of tension, difficulty, where you have to put forth a little bit of extra effort and it's a little bit harder to yield a successful outcome. It's not impossible, but it is tricky. Now, this is especially true if you have uh, the natal chart with a day chart. 
if you're a day chart person, then Mars is your out of sect malefic and causes an especially high amount of difficulty for you. If you're not sure if you have a day chart or a night chart, you can reach out to me and we can talk really quickly about what that is in your chart. This is a big piece of how I interpret charts with clients. And I'm actually going to be putting together a specific reading, probably just for like a little bit of time. We'll see how popular it is. Um, but to identify which planet is your tricky planet and what are some ways to work with that in the chart, but also to identify which planet is your lucky planet and how to work with that in the chart. So if that's interesting to you, make sure you head to my website and look at my current offerings. I'm really excited to put that out for folks. So Mars, really difficult, really challenging, and we can expect that wherever we have Gemini in the chart, because Mars has been going through it since August 20th and will be there until the end of March, then this is where we are going to be experiencing tension, where we experience difficulty, and where it's going to be harder to have successful outcomes, especially because some of these driving experiences could be with fighting with feeling like we're losing things that are good, with things which feel um, maybe violent or just feels like maybe we're losing something that was really positive for us. And so now I think if you feel pretty okay with understanding Mars, I'm not expecting you to be an expert and you really don't have to be because the more open you are to the interpretation, the easier it's going to be for you to identify how it's showing up for you. Not everyone is going to feel as combative and de again, depending on where it is in the chart, you might actually experience this transit through witnessing how disruptive it can be for somebody else, somebody in your life, right? So it's important to understand Gemini because the zodiac sign that a planet or celestial body is in is going to give witness to the character and the personality uh, of the planet as they are trying to accomplish a thing. So Mars wants to do Mars type things. Mars wants to have wars. Mars wants to take things away. Mars wants to sever. Mars wants to be abrupt and to be fiery. But how, how are they going about doing this, right? Like we need to understand the qualities and the characteristics. And we do that by looking at the zodiac sign of Gemini. Gemini is represented by the twins. And it's important to call out that the zodiac signs are sometimes represented by animals, sometimes represented by humans, sometimes represented in Libra's case by an inanimate object or, you know, with Capricorn and Sagittarius, we get like this mythological mashup of uh, like, you know, one's a human, one's a horse and the other one's like a goat mermaid. And so when we see a zodiac sign represented by a person or by a human, then this is giving us insight into the idea that there is more of a conscious experience. You can think of the animals with being more instinctual, of having more of like a reptilian or reactive animalistic uh, quality. Not to say that these people are animals, but bear with me as we try to understand like what drives or what are maybe some of the values with represented by humans, then we know that Gemini is kind of taking us into more of like a frontal cortex, more of like the hippocampus, more of like the areas of our brain that um, we feel like 
gives us the ability to do human type things. It separates us as a species, if you will. And I actually feel like with Gemini, this could be the ability to have like humor or um, be like witty in some way. Not saying that this is exclusive to humans, but um, that's one thing that we don't share with every single other species on the, on the planet. But it's represented by the twins. And so when we think about um, the ability to have two, like two brains, two faces, two of something, the Gemini area of our chart is where we experience multiples in some type of way. Uh, I'm actually like a classic example of this. I'll share. I have Gemini in my fifth house where we look for like kids and I have two kids. I have a boy and a girl. Um, and that's not going to be everyone's experience, but that's just a, a good example of like, I don't want to say I was destined to only have two children, but I knew I would have at least more than one. And you can anticipate that at least more than one will be coming wherever you have Gemini in the chart. Gemini is also a mutable sign. And so the uh, dual nature of this is important. Uh, the sign that comes between seasons. Gemini season comes in at the end of spring, but the beginning of summer and all of the mutable signs share this quality in the Northern hemisphere of kind of bringing us the transition point in the year. Uh, and so there's something very natural about it in its ability to foster change as an air sign. Gemini is going to be relational. It's always about connecting with others and the Gemini season is kind of like that youthful time of year where the children start coming outside and they start playing. And so we think about ways that like a youthful way to connect and to share ideas or communicate our thoughts. And I've talked about this on previous episodes, but I'm going to bring it up again just because I think it's such a, it's, it's like an easier way to understand the Gemini phase or the Gemini energy or the archetype of Gemini and the twins. There's a youthfulness to this. You could say it's like the youth of being one of like the springtime or, uh, you know, summertime signs. It's, it's full of life and vitality and it's optimistic and playful and jovial and well, jovial might, anyways, it's all of these things. Yeah. And so we think about children and we think about youth and my kids are really like, I have a, a six-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And so my two-year-old is really starting to like transition from the Taurian stage of life to the Gemini stage. And my older child, my daughter is kind of like in that Gemini and starting to look to transition into a little bit more of a Cancerian experience. But when I look at my children, you know, their speech centers are developed, but they're both learning to use language in different ways. My son, my younger child is starting to learn the power of using words that if he can have a bigger vocabulary, it's going to be easier for him to convey his needs and therefore get his needs met, right? His ability to speak is going to make it easier for him to make friends, and to talk to people and to share what he's thinking and his and what he's feeling. That's going to open up a lot of doorways, right? As he's trying to make relationships or go out and engage with the world. He's also very, very curious. This is why three-year-olds are so awful and hard. 
is they want to get into everything because they're so curious about it. And everything seems like something that can be played with. Um, everything can turn into a game. And as we are trying to teach children in that age, a lot of it is gamification. Everything needs to be fun. And this is where we really understand experiential learning. In Gemini, it's about learning the ABCs by memorizing the song, the ABCs. It's playing the matching game, you know, put red and red together and being able to turn it into a type of game is really big on like helping children adopt things. And this is true for adult learning as well. This is why, you know, the industry of jingles or creative marketing and alliteration and all of that is brilliant because it's really how we set up our fundamental, most basic education is doing things through games. And this is actually like a hack for any parents out there. If you're like me and you have kids my age, it's really hard to get them to like help out around the house or like a little too little. But if you learn fun songs about picking up your toys or fun songs about brushing teeth, um, then all of a sudden by turning it into a little bit more of like a game and, and adding uh, like a clever quip to it, then it's going to be easier to kind of get them on board and to communicate what you're trying to do because that's how they communicate. That is how they're developing their language right now. My daughter on the other side of that is learning, uh, she's starting to learn some of the rules about language. So, you know, she knows the ABCs, but now she's learning how to read and how to write and how to like really craft these things and put them together. And so it helps more in that compartmentalization piece of it where, you know, uh, this is how I structure a sentence. And now she can write letters to us. She can write letters to her friends. Um, you know, she's starting to develop like math and stuff like that. And so she's on the other side where now this is really more important on making sure that you are building friendships. And through that building a friendship, she's starting to be exposed to other personality characteristics to the way that people sound and speak and she's starting to mimic. And this is actually a big thing about Gemini as well as the mimicry that Gemini has. And so she's trying on other people's personalities and she's trying on pronouncing words the way that her friends do it. Uh, she's trying on the language that's used in TV shows that she's watching. We have a lot of, yeah, girl, that's awesome going on right now, which is so fun. And so these are all like qualities and characteristics of Gemini. It's, it's thinking, it's communicating, it's sharing ideas, but it's also like the duality and, uh, you know, with the aggressiveness of Mars, could that be two-faced? <laughs> could that be aggressive language? Could that be, uh, really struggling to communicate resulting in like a hopeless feeling situation that is nothing but fighting because you can just not get on the same page because you don't have the same terminology? Is it causing some trickiness um, in your ability to share how you're feeling and then the reaction is being like violent? Like I'm, I'm misunderstood and now I just want to throw something and yell. I'm so defeated right now. All right, so this is how we understand like, okay, well, Mars and Gemini, well, the environment of your life, the house that it's in is going to look unique for you, but depending on your rising sign and your chart. But generally what this Mars transit through Gemini has been about has been about um, like aggressive language. Maybe it's passive aggressive, but it's like aggressive language. Sarcasm. I think a lot about sarcasm when I think about 
um, like a Mars and Gemini or even like Mercury in a Mars ruled sign. I think about sarcasm because sarcasm is actually a form of aggressive language. It's comedic. It's intended to be, you know, humor, but it's actually aggressive. It's a rude way to communicate, but it's witty. And so a lot of people get away with using sarcasm. Um, and we're actually going to, when we look at celebrity charts, we're going to see like people that anyways play characters or have done like a lot of like sarcastic things and like have um used that to their benefit and have become you know big celebrities or big names that we all know and recognize but it is through like comedy but it's aggressive and it's kind of mean uh another thing with mars actually like i I forgot to mention this earlier and i wanted to mention it now is that mars is because it's uh fire because it's very active there is an element of like strength that comes with that. We think about like athletics in some way, like what requires a lot of, well, not necessarily sustained, but what requires a lot of effort. What do you have to work like really hard to do um, in order to like do something well? And there is a level of like physicality that comes with that. We look at Mars in your chart when we want to see where do you have a lot of drive to do something so anyways, let's talk about a few celebrity charts. We're going to look at celebrities that have Mars and Gemini. And of course, because they're celebrities, they're obviously successful, but that's fine. I think this is just another good example of like, you can have, uh, everyone has Mars in their chart somewhere. Everyone has Gemini in their chart somewhere. So everyone's feeling this somewhere, but I just want to give an example of celebrities that have their natal Mars in Gemini. And I'll call out if any of these are retrograde. Because I just think that it's useful to see these people and kind of see this energy embodied um, to to bring it to life a little bit. So this celebrity actually has their natal Mars retrograde in the sign of Gemini. And we feel pretty confident with this birth time. I'm trying to only pick celebrities that we feel confident with their birth time. Uh, so Maim Bialik, Bialik. <laughs> Should have looked up how to pronounce that before recording. <laughs> Anyways, this is the actress that plays Dr. Amy Farrah Fowler on The Big Bang Theory. And I love her. And a lot of her delivery actually is very like quick-witted. And it's obviously a comedy. And she's very, very smart. She's actually a neuroscientist. And so she is brilliant. Um, but you can see like in a lot of her delivery, there is a lot of sarcasm that she delivers. Steve Carell, you're going to hear a lot of comedians. Steve Carell has his natal Mars in Gemini at the 26th degree. And this is actually um, conjunct his midheaven. Well, yeah, the, yeah, conjunct his midheaven at 28th degree. Sorry. And again, another like comedian, but a lot of like, I think he's most popular for his role in the office. Um, and so, and he's, and he's one of those guys that kind of plays like a similar character in all of the movies that he's in for the most part. Uh, but he was nominated actually as America's like funniest man in life magazine. And he's received awards for being like a really excellent actor in the comedy series, the office where he actually plays someone who is very off putting in the way that he communicates. I think that when I've heard this somewhere that when they were filming the office, the first season they wrote his character, but it was so poorly received that they had to change it a little bit 
because he's just saying things which are so polarizing, which is a very Gemini thing as well, right? It was so polarizing and you didn't know if like you loved him or you hated him and sometimes you were rooting for him and, and, you know, but the first time that they wrote that character, it was actually really, really rude. And there's a lot of like what he says that, um, does get like misinterpreted or like miscommunicated and causes a lot of conflict and difficulty for his coworkers and his employees. Antonio Banderas is another Mars in Gemini celebrity. He has Mars at five degrees. And I, I was like, so I was so excited when I saw Antonio on the list because he was the mask of Zorro when I was a little girl and I was so in love with him. So a little in love with him, but, um, he is known for being a voice actor as well as being in like, like he was in spy kids and he was the voice of Puss in Boots in the, uh, Shrek movies and the, like the Shrek sequels. And then Puss in Boots has his own like thing now, but he's also in musicals and it's really like, he's just a very diverse actor and can do a lot of different things. He's not necessarily as like comedic as the other one that we looked at, but just another like interesting example of a Mars and Gemini individual. His is in the fourth whole sign house though. So it is a little bit more private and not as public as say Steve Carell's. We also have like Meryl Streep, Sean Penn, Uma Thurman, Sean Connery. I mean, you can look, you can look this up there. I mean, there's so many like really popular celebrities and again, a ton of comedians. Kevin Hart is one who Again, like he has a very sarcastic kind of like self-deprecating type of humor, but he's been very popular, but he speaks like really aggressively and actually like really quickly. And uh, one of his really good friends, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, also has Mars and Gemini. His is interesting because his is in the ninth whole sign house and he was a college football player, which is like a ninth house type thing, but like very Mars, like he's putting in a lot of effort and energy when it comes to like the ninth house things. And then he started playing for a Canadian team and actually got cut from them. And so that's just more of that, like, uh, Mars being a severing type of energy. I thought this one was interesting. Jason Momoa, Jim Morrison, Kate Winslet, Sandra Bullock, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Al, uh, sorry, Al Pacino, Lionel Richie. So this is, I mean, musicians, actors, different like types of celebrities. Again, Jim Gaffigan, Bill Burr, Larry David, um, Matt Lucas. So tons of comedians, but again, all people that uh, have a way of communicating, which is very like witty or deliver lines in kind of like a aggressive way. I'm thinking of like, especially Sandra Bullock in Miscongeniality as a millennial, that one really stands out to me. Because every, like a lot of what she was delivering, she was actually like mad. She was like angry that entire movie almost. And everything that she said was sharp and cutting and like finished like her words in a very, just like a, a quick paced way, if you will. So again, it's possible to have Mars in Gemini and still be very successful, but we can see that it does just give uh, a kind of like aggression or a quickness or uh, something like that for these individuals. And in its worst situation, it can provide a cutting experience. Chevy Chase is also a really good example of this. Um, he is a really popular comedian. Did he die? Oh my God. <laughs> I said he is a, and I'm like instantly like, wait, is he still alive? And it's because um, when I 
I knew about Chevy Chase for a while because, you know, growing up, like my dad was really into like the old SNLs when he was on it. But I watched most of Chevy Chase on the show Community, where he is playing a college student. And if I remember correctly, I'm going to pull up his chart while I'm sharing this. If I remember correctly, he actually has Mars in the ninth house as well. He has Gemini in the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, interesting that he's playing the older character in a community college setting. He also has Saturn in the ninth house as well. And he got fired from the TV show because he, he had said like a racial slur and um, it was really off-putting and people, he was really difficult to work with. And so they killed off his character and just cut him out of the show like immediately. Um, and so again, just like, that ability that Mars has to cut something off or to sever probably because of the words that are being shared because of saying something that maybe you meant as sarcasm or you weren't trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but it definitely does have an impact and can hurt people's feelings. And so let's look at some of my client examples. I think this is really interesting. And some of these things, you know, again, I'm a vocational astrologer. So the majority of the time that I'm working with someone, we are talking about work and career. So you're going to hear that. But I do think I have some examples which provide a little bit of nuance in just about how a certain part of their chart was activated and how that ultimately impacted their career or their life in some way. And we're going to start with my chart. I'm not afraid to let you guys know my chart or like what some of my experiences are. I told you I'm an Aquarius rising. So I have Gemini in my fifth house of kids, right? And I have kids. I told you I have two kids. And this is what it looked like for me. Number one, I've been fighting a lot more with my six-year-old. I've been fighting a lot more with my kids. Um, And it's just because I'm having to put in a lot more energy and a lot more effort. And something that my child actually said to me was like, we need to go on dates more. We need to go hang out more. And so I've been putting a lot of energy into my kids, but it's been difficult. I haven't had like super positive or successful outcomes of like, I'm the best mom in the world and my kids are obsessed with me. It's also been making it harder to be really creative uh, while Mars has especially been retrograde, it's been harder for me to invest in my creative outputs, like doing some of these podcast episodes. This is why I have a nice lineup of episodes being released at the beginning of 2023, um, because now that Mars has stationed, it's a little bit easier to put stuff out there, um, to creatively put things out there because I was just so consumed with what I was doing with my children. And it was actually, a lot of it was my kids were sick as well. So if you think about, uh, the, inflammation or the respiratory nature or nervous system of Gemini, then having like kids with fevers, kids with coughs, um, difficulty in breathing and stuff like that. Like there was a lot of sickness. And so it was a lot of energy trying to like take care of my sick kids, which naturally pulled me out of work a little bit more and, um, caused some like challenge for me there. I I felt like I was just spinning my wheels and having to work so hard to get anything accomplished because the fifth house part of my chart was just requiring a lot of energy from me. But even that energy wasn't giving me like a really high yield on my investment. A Leo rising that I know actually has their sun at the 25th degree of Gemini, which is one of those important degrees that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Um, that's where Mars stationed retrograde is at the 25th degree. 
right on this person's sun, which is important when you understand the importance of light, right? The sun is the brightest light and therefore the most self-sustaining or sustaining of the self, uh, celestial body that we look at. And so in the 11th house, because this is a Leo rising chart, this individual started putting in a lot more energy and effort into their friendships and like the social groups that they're a part of or the broader communities that they're a part of. Now, what this looked like is actually at one of the eclipse points, it was sitting directly on top of this individual's midheaven. And so they had a major beginning in their career that actually came to be through a relationship from one of their friends, one of their really good friends. And they started going to the work environment, like the new industry that they're working in and started meeting a lot of new people and putting a lot of energy into wanting to get to know new people and wanting to really embed themselves in a professional network of other professionals that do this type of work. But again, Mars is severing, right? And so what had to come with that is the conversation with a current employer of, I'm going to be making a transition. I'm going to actually be like jumping industries and kind of like jumping professional groups. And so I need to have a different network and I'm going to benefit from having different social relationships at this time. But there was a lot of fear there of having that conversation because this person has become very, very good friends with their coworkers. And so this fear of if I make this change and if I do the Mars thing and I sever this relationship, what will that do to, um, again, like the sun, the light, what is that going to do to the light and the way that I express myself and the way, you know, the things that I know about myself to be true, will that go away now? And, um, you know, how will this impact my ability to connect or to feel a lot of like satisfaction in my life? And it ended up being a positive thing. Like their employer was super supportive and really excited about that. And so now this person is working two jobs. There's the duality of Gemini. Again, they're doing two different things right now, two totally different industries and kind of building and still investing in two totally different professional networks as a result of that. And so just kind of interesting how the Mars retrograde did bring up the possibility of severing of cutting ties but right now exploring the duality of that area and the way that their network and their friend groups is really tied in and closely correlated to their experience at work and just considering the timeline and this is why like the timing of this is really interesting um, is that by the time mars moves out of gemini and into cancer this individual will have fully transitioned um, from one organization and fully into the other. And that final cut will have been made. Another client example is actually a Gemini rising. And so this person has Gemini at the zero degree in their chart. And so um, it's it's not as maybe acute to some of the timing of the transits because it's not between that eighth and 10th, or sorry, the eighth and the 25th degree of Gemini. But what it feels like for this person to be going through this experience um, because Mars is going through the first house, it's really activating that person's like sense of self, but their like perspective, the way that they see the world, how other people experience them as well. And other things that have been happening for this individual is they graduated um, recently and accepted new employment where they are finally like aligned with what they were studying in school. They got an awesome promotion and a pay raise. 
and things were going really, really well, and they became pregnant. And so this person actually had the baby on the eclipse that happened on October 24th. Um, and so that was actually interesting having, um, the actual physical cutting, uh, on the eclipse of Scorpio in this person's sixth house, because it is, uh, the Gemini rising chart. That's where their moon is as well. So anyways, that was just like a fascinating thing that came up from there. But for this person, having a baby actually pulled them out of work and pulled them out of community and, if you've had children, then you know this especially, but when you have a baby, you go through this experience of not really knowing yourself. You feel like, um, people don't maybe see you or now you have this like split personality. And this person actually reflected to me. They were like, I'm a different person depending on what car I drive. If they're driving the car with the car seats or if they're driving the car that doesn't have the car seats, then it's like a total personality shift, which Gemini Risings have the ability to do anyways. They're very chameleon and they can be very changeable depending on their environment. Um, they're like the, the real social butterflies. But this person is now like saying like, I want to wear these things, but because I am nursing, it doesn't make sense right now. And this like struggle with figuring out the identity of like, who am I and what's going on? And how do I really like feel comfortable with who I am and, and how I'm perceived by the world around me right now? And just really having that confusing element that um, a retrograde can bring, right? It's that ineffective, it's that weakening, it's that restraint. And this person really feels it in their first house of their identity and really putting themselves out there. There's this restraint on it now and it's really difficult because it's like a part of me has been cut off. And when I'm in an environment where I don't have the baby, I feel like a totally different person than when I'm in the environment where I do have even something that reminds me of my child. Another client example, this one's really fun because this person actually has their midheaven at the 25th degree of Gemini. So again, that really important degree date. And I remember talking with this client about the nervousness around this transit because this individual already felt like they had been working really, really hard. And that's partly because they're going through their Saturn return as well. And as a Virgo rising, they have Gemini in the 10th, but they have Saturn in the 6th. And so because they're both air signs, they're going to have this like natural trine relationship and this activating quality. But Saturn return in the 6th house has a lot to do with what you do during the day. And so your job is a big piece of that. The 10th house in the midheaven is broader career and kind of like lifestyle. But a few things that this person already has going on is that they have more than one job, which again is really common. They kind of have two totally different career paths. They have, you know, a business and a side business and a day job and um, like volunteering with different groups and consultant type work. So that's that Gemini, like the more than oneness element of it. And when we were initially looking at this, there was an expression of a lot of fear from the client of like, oh no, like the fear that everyone has, like, am I going to get fired? <laughs> like what is going on with this? Like, I'm so nervous about it. And there was a lot of contention with this individual in their career. There was a lot of need for like mediation meetings and having um, people come in to make sure that communication is non-aggressive. And it was really, again, uh, ineffect ineffective, <laughs> unproductive conversations where they didn't really feel like there was a lot of progress. They didn't really feel like there was a lot of forward motion in these conversations, which makes sense. That's like what a, a retrograde is, right? But it actually turned out to be very positive. This person, they were doing a ton of work 
They were working so many hours and they made themselves super available for their career to try to push forward and see themselves in an elevated position. And ultimately, they did have a lot of really, ooh, sorry, my dogs just barked. I never know how to like go back and just delete that out. So sorry, everyone. I have this um, German shepherd that is so good at letting me know when anyone's even close to my front door. So um, again, this person had like a lot of really cool collaborations and got to be featured in a lot of really bright ways where they were, you know, seen in a very big way and had a lot of success in their career, but they were also very exhausted. They were just so tired at the end of it because there was so much effort being put forward. One thing that was also really cool is that for this individual, when Mars was in its shadow period, they were doing a lot more like education type things. And then when Mars stationed retrograde and it was moving back through those degrees of Gemini is when they started moving out of the student and like, you know, I'm learning these things or I'm maybe getting trained on these things to actually executing on it which is really cool and really exciting. And I know that this person has said that they felt like they maybe like leveled up or that um, they were just like able to do things which were really hard, but they were able to get them done. And that was really exciting to see. Again, just a testament to Mars is going to come in and make things a little bit more difficult in the sense that it will provide tension and you have to work a little bit harder, but can still bring about really positive outcomes. Last client chart example, this is a cancer rising. And so we find Gemini actually in their 12th whole sign house, the house of bad spirit, the house of hidden enemies or people who are working at cross purposes to you and the house where we find like a lot to do with um, isolation, uh, mental health or even chronic illness. This person does have their natal Mars in Gemini. So this was a Mars return, which I'm not going to talk about, but if you know what that is, then you know that. And then they also have Chiron in Gemini as well, really close to their natal Mars. And so what this brought up for my client actually is this is a 12th house thing, but it did show up in their career as a cancer rising. They have uh, Aries in the 10th. And so Jupiter has been giving them a lot of positive things while they have been, uh, or while Jupiter has been in the sign of Aries, they've had a lot of opportunity in career, but this is how Mars came into the picture in the 12th house. So this client, while Mars was in the shadow period was actually just randomly getting called into meetings not one-on-one -on -one meetings, just like team meetings where superiors were saying things that seemed like it was targeted and directed at a very specific person, but they were speaking about it generally. Like, for example, we don't know when folks thought that X, Y, and Z was okay, but it's not okay. And you need to be doing A, B, and C instead. And that's, again, something where like, well, who's breaking the rule? Just pull them aside and talk to them about it. Why are you pulling everyone in on a meeting? And it was just that, the awkwardness of like, well, this person expressed like, well, I, I have been doing a little bit of X and I don't feel like I've been doing Y, but I could see how maybe someone like maybe thought that I was, but I just, I don't understand like why we're having these meetings. Like, I just don't know like what the big deal is. Right. And then during the retrograde period, uh, this person did start getting one-on-ones and being pulled aside. And actually there was accusations made at this person of being dishonest in the workplace. Uh, nothing that's like a fireable offense, but still like, you know, the type of thing that a manager would pull an employee in to talk to them about. And this 
individual, my client was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's not what happened. And actually had to do a lot of like their own work to kind of investigate the claims and accusations and was doing a lot of like reporting and having to pull a lot of data and kind of proving that like, Hey, you're making these claims against me. And that is just actually not the case. And that's not my experience. And these are unjustified accusations and the leadership kind of just responding with like a, Oh, oh, you're right. This is actually like a technical issue and error, but the damage had kind of been done at that point. And this person was already looking for, um, other gainful employment. Again, Jupiter was being very generous to this client. And so it just kind of like exacerbated that desire to leave that situation because they felt isolated from their team, from their peers. And all of a sudden, like the hidden enemies came out in the public. And this person found out about conversations that were being had behind their back, um, you know, months prior, more like once Mars moved into the 12th house. This is that 12th house. It's a place that is unconscious and it's not always in our face and we don't always find out about it. But Mars in ret or the Mars retrograde really bringing up and bringing to light a lot of those challenging circumstances that this individual was otherwise ignorant to. And I'm pleased to say that this person did accept another job offer and will be exiting and moving forward to a really fun and exciting new job opportunity. So kudos to Jupiter in this person's chart. Um, but yeah, like just, you know, a little bit of positive, but a, a definitely a lot of challenge and just, again, a lot of need for extra effort, extra attention. And so I hope that this has been useful to you. Um, if you're able to identify where Gemini is in your chart and therefore where Mars has been activating the themes of that house for you, I'd love for you to leave those in the comments of this episode or let me know about it on social media. Again, I'm going to be releasing another episode where I talk about the Mars retrogrades correlation to a specific tarot card. So if you're interested in that, make sure that you are following my podcast and subscribe. So that way you're always aware of my episodes when they are published. And if you want to book a reading with me because you're interested about Mars in your own chart, then make sure you visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com. All right, witches, thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate any type of rating system that you can give me. Um, if you really loved it, it'd be cool if you shared it on your socials and tagged me in it. And if you want to contribute or collaborate on future episodes, make sure that you're connecting with me on socials. My handle is at thatwitchfromwork on Instagram and TikTok. And make sure that you sign up for my free newsletter, the Corporate Coven newsletter. You can sign up on my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com. On my website, you can always be in the know of my latest readings and how to get in touch with me.